everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. I'm Josh. And I'm Andy. Andy, how's your week been? Man, it's been a week. <laughs> this has probably been one of the toughest weeks of my career professionally. This, There's like two full moons going on in this city or something. I was up to my shoulders in sink junk yesterday because somehow we managed to wash a couple of tiny chili peppers down the sink and they had everything backed up so i was like swimming in sink gunk so man i am glad it's friday (laughs) and we got some time to just sit here talk about sports and uh have a nice evening how about you oh that that sounds horrible (laughs) um have you uh just speaking of things that are unfun to clean up have you ever uh had a diaper go all the way through the washer and then into the dryer Yes, where the beads come out. Yes. Oh, my oh God. yeah. It's so, it's so awful to pick up. I had one of those maybe a couple of months ago where it just slipped through the defenses. And I was probably, I swear I was up there for like half an hour picking stuff out of the dryer. Oh, I think we've been out of diapers for like two years. And there's probably still a couple of beads hidden in there somewhere. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, that is one of those things nobody ever tells you about. You just get to experience that. Yep. Oh, man. What a mess um i today is my two weeks for my second dose of moderna so i uh am joining you in the fully vaccinated club today very excited about that welcome to immortality (laughs) Um, i had a a virtual uh appointment with my endocrinologist today who i share with my father and i uh totally narked on my dad and made her promise to put the full court press on him uh, for his next appointment to get vaccinated so i, I i'll fight dirty uh and <laughs> we'll we'll see how that works so yeah i i didn't have to go that route uh my dad's bosses took care of it and he got the johnson and johnson today so he he joins me on team j and j well i'm congratulations for that and uh you know any means necessary i guess i guess we'll say that so we'll take them how we get them yep uh, the other thing that I was kind of reminiscing about this week, uh, I was talking to friend is an interesting word, I guess. Uh, certainly my friend from high school, Nick, uh, who we had kind of, a, uh, we were all in the same social circle and then it kind of fractured a bit. Uh, but we were just musing on the fact that, you know, this is the summer of our 15 year high school reunion. Oh, wow. So, it doesn't, uh, doesn't, doesn't feel like it's been that long. 15 years and it made me feel i busted out the uh in the basement and uh found one of the found our senior yearbook uh, buried in the bin somewhere and we were flipping through it wondering what all these people were up to you know because we've i think we've now gotten to the point where we have been out of high school long enough where it actually would kind of be somewhat meaningful to have one obviously we can't have one this year um but, you know, the, the, that five-year reunion in particular, you have social media. It's like, I know what everybody's doing. Uh, ten years, you know, we start the drift apart a little bit. Uh, but now I feel like unless you've specifically held on to someone, uh, you know, most of the classes, you know, off in the wind and you have no idea what's going on with them. Yeah, I think we've probably reached the point where there would be a decent number of people there that I wouldn't remember. So I think that's probably a good barometer for... <laughs> uh when it's interesting to reconnect again right no for sure i always like to uh make fun of my wife who you know again was in our in our class in our grade at at high school and uh seemingly remembers a a much smaller percentage of our class than than i do so 
Does she know that we went to high school together? Yeah, she. I, I think it's like buried in the back of her brain somewhere. <laughs> you know, uh, she vaguely remembers. Uh, you know, me giving a speech at the end of the year, but otherwise, uh, you know, not a whole lot of interaction. So nice. But yeah, uh, so it's 15 years, man. And I, so I would say definitely on the more introverted side, but uh, I'm at to the point with this pandemic that I I wouldn't mind some ridiculous, like, you know, gathering of people that I, I don't actually really care about that much and, and probably wouldn't care too much to see afterwards, but just going for an afternoon to outside somewhere, maybe see what people are up to. Uh, it, it's mildly appealing, which, uh, speaks to how much cabin fever this pandemic has caused yeah i i think you'd have to report back to me on that one i, I don't know <laughs> if you're getting me out to that one <laughs> yeah well and definitely I, not this year so uh yeah we can blame the pandemic but my, i'm not sure that has a whole lot to do with it <laughs> <laughs> completely honest i was trying to be generous for you but uh yeah um and yeah, like I said, I was, I was talking to Nick and I was like, yeah, I would love to just do this for one day and then, and then never talk or think about these people ever again. So yeah, put, put it back in the box for another 10 years. See it uh, at the 25 year reunion. Right, exactly. Yep. So yeah, uh, as you hinted at already, uh, we we're going to do something that surprisingly we have not done nearly as much as I thought we would have. And this is going to be a pretty sports centric show today. So I'm going to pose the question to you, Andy. We are, this is going to be the 24th episode that we'll have recorded. And I would say we've maybe had, I don't know, three or four episodes dedicated to sports. And obviously the pandemic, you know, put a damper on sports as a whole over the past year. But why do you think we've talked about sports? I would say less than I would have thought. Yeah, that's a good question. I I, I don't know. Maybe it's because we think we're more insightful about other things than we are about <laughs> sports. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, the uh, you mean that there might only be like 8 million and one sports podcast, but if there's only 8 million news podcasts, we might be a slight bit more insightful. Yeah, I mean, what sports podcasts are we being now? We're at least putting out way better shit than Ben Shapiro on the news side of things. So, I mean, at least there's somebody shittier than us on the news front. Shots uh. fired. Oh, he, yes. he can come on the show if he wants to. Oh, please, no. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I'm not doing that either. <laughs> we'll give him um, a fake link and just let him sit there and wait for us. For sure, for sure. Um, yeah, I, again, I kind of sprung that on you, but I was thinking about that I was uh, as we uh, I was putting the outline together. And uh, yeah, I don't know if it's just the fact that you and I, our sports, primetime sports seasons, you know, don't really overlap in the sense that, you know, basketball versus hockey, uh, you know, we kind of were football season. I feel like came and went pretty quickly. Um, but we are going to touch on the NFL draft today. Uh, you know, we are rounding into kind of prime time right now as the regular seasons for hockey and basketball are winding down. Playoffs are about to start. Playoff sports are amazing. Uh, the NFL draft just happened. Uh, and then there's some other news in soccer that we're going to touch on today. But uh, let's go with the big ticket, Andy. Number one, NFL draft just finished up not too long ago. Uh, and before we even get the draft night, one of the bigger stories of the day, of the weekend, uh, was a whole bunch of news that Aaron Rodgers may or may not want out of Green Bay uh, and that he is done with the organization. What did you think of that? Yeah, that was a bit – I mean, I it was a bit of a shocker. I mean, 
there's definitely been some signs that he's not the happiest guy in the world. Uh, I, I, I like his Jeopardy moment where – did you see the Jeopardy moment where the contestant asked him, why would you kick the field goal? No. So, so you know, so he guest hosted uh, Jeopardy, I don't know, maybe three weeks before the draft. And <laughs> I can't remember if it was a daily double or – I think it was a daily double, and the guy didn't know the answer. So he said, uh, what is – why would you kick the field goal? And Rogers just gets this funny look and goes – that is a great question. It just moves on to the next one. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. Yeah, it was pretty good. They, they put that out before he was, that was kind of the teaser to get you to watch when he, I thought he was a decent host, but. Uh, yeah, so, I, I mean. I he, caught a bit of him. Of, uh, I caught a bit of him hosting. And yeah. it's just, I, I don't know. Like I, I can, you can argue both sides and I think I would buy it. Like last year, not this, this year, but the previous year. They draft Jordan Love in the first round as the quarterback of the future, uh, you know, when he's hoping for anything that's going to help the team now. Uh, but it's not like they're a bad team that, like, may or may not make the playoffs. I mean, they were, what, 13-3 and three last year? I think he was the MVP of a, you know, MVP caliber, uh, you know, offense. Like, they're not doing nothing to help him. Name me a Packers receiver that isn't Devontae Adams. Yeah, but you can't just say like, oh, just ignore the fact that I have a top five wide receiver on my you know, wide receiving core. Uh, okay, but again, I mean, name me a Packers running back. Name uh, me anyone on that offense that isn't Devontae Adams or Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Jones is a running back, maybe? I mean, how many teams in the NFL could you only name one receiver for? like relevant playoff yeah. caliber teams yeah okay i mean yeah i can buy it for sure and i know that their drafts uh you know over the past decade have been really defense heavy and obviously he's on the offensive side of the ball but i've also seen stats that in their playoff losses they've given up on average like 37 points or something like that so you have to address the defense if you're going to win those games I don't know. I mean, sure, I can I can totally see it where you want to win now. He, he's getting older. He wants to, you know, try and win another Super Bowl uh, before his prime is completely done. Um, I just don't know how many. I mean, the teams that they're talking about him going to, like Denver or Vegas, like are those teams better than, uh, you know, Green Bay is if you exclude the quarterbacks? I, I don't know. No, I was shocked at the teams that he was trying to go to. I could see I, San Francisco. I get. I think that was the third team. I'm like San Francisco has some weapons. Yes, they have some pieces. There, there may be a quarterback away. I mean, they're only a couple of years away from making it to the Super Bowl. They might just be a quarterback away. But yeah, I mean, Denver, but they just drafted one, so they're so they're out now. So right, yeah, that was that was one of the possible landing spots they were talking about. You know, the afternoon of the draft before. Yep. So I, I could have seen that a lot more, but I mean, Denver is one of the teams. I'm not sure I could tell you two of their receivers. Yeah. I mean, Vegas is Amari Cooper and <sighs> um, the... Michael Crabtree. Is he still alive? <laughs> That's going to be like 10 years ago, right? I yeah. Mean, yeah. 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 Uh, so they have uh, their tight end. They have Waller as a tight end. Who's pretty much like a receiver. So, okay. yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, there's all this like, he wants to live on the West Coast, actress, fiance, yada yada, whatever. I don't, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I'm and part of it's just me being selfish. We go to the uh, Packers Lions game every year in Detroit, and uh, that game will lose quite a bit of luster if Aaron Rodgers isn't 
on the field anymore. Um, but I'm curious. I think he's got a, I think he's committed for just one more year and then kind of can probably do whatever. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. And I think that's one of, I, I mean, I wonder how much Brady had to do with that. Of just looking at Brady as being one of those legendary players that played for the same team forever and ever and ever. And then you look at him leaving new England and, and going and winning it all. I mean, you know, maybe Rogers wants that shot to say, Hey, you know, kind of worked out for, I mean, Tampa did not look sweet when Brady went there. Yeah. I mean, they, they, they looked like one. Of, I mean, I don't know that they looked any better than like a Denver or a, a, a Vegas where it's like, eh, they got some pieces, but they're not, you know, on the cusp of greatness. And I mean, look what Brady did. So, yeah. I mean, and I mean may, maybe he just wants to see what it's like to play somewhere else after playing a whole career in green Bay. Could be that. I mean, it could also be that again, like you, wherever he goes, they're going to attract people, right? Like, your Gronk comes out of retirement. You get a bunch of random free agents who might take the the vet minimum just because they want to go try and win a ring, you know. Um, and again, it certainly might be easier to get those people to come to your team if it's not in Green Bay, Wisconsin, uh, which is sneakily far away from Madison, Wisconsin. Uh, my wife and I, who is then my fiance, we went to a Carrie Underwood concert in Green Bay. Uh, while we were living in Madison, and it was a hike to get up there. Was it at Lambeau? It was like right outside Lambeau. It was not on the field or anything, uh, but it was. Uh, it was. It was. She, she was really good in concert. I don't like country music, but she was really good in concert. Is there anything in Green Bay besides like I picture Green Bay being like a farm field with Lambeau Field? Is that correct? Yeah, I mean there was not a whole lot going on there for sure maybe like a culver's or something yeah i mean those are all over the place in Wisconsin, <laughs> but yeah there was not a whole lot going on like we we you know checked into a rinky dink hotel and stayed because it was super late and came back and we did so we didn't see a lot of the city but uh you know when you have to drive up into boondoggle wisconsin uh you're already pretty far afield so yeah um, i mean I, I can't blame a guy that's given the team that drafted him so many years of really good play so if he wants out i mean i think he's earned the right to say i'm I'm done let me go somewhere else and try my luck yeah so that happens the the morning afternoon of the draft uh first round day a big picture impression i had is the previous year's draft was like tragedy hour like like almost it was farcical like it was basically like this is this you know we've wait have the player we pick the person closest to him that died and we tell a sad story about it um or some kind of horrible hardship they pretty much got rid of that this year feeling like had a pretty good tempo this year and uh the first round is pretty much all i usually watch of the draft but i thought it was pretty engaging this year yeah i watched i think i fell asleep somewhere in the the mid-20s i think maybe right before cleveland picked where i think they picked around 25 so but yeah i thought it was a, a good production i like the way that I mean, it was interesting having it on ABC. I don't know if that's that's the first year I caught it on ABC. I don't know if it's the first year that they've done it like on the primetime Thursday on the network instead of ESPN. But I liked that. I liked the way that they were celebrating being able to get back to a little sense of normalcy while also talking about all the COVID precautions that they were taking, that they were really big (laughs) on kind of the messaging with the vaccinations and, you know, showing off the stickers that people were getting for getting vaccinated. So I thought that was kind of interesting. 
yeah it was it was kind of a cool mix of people there in person and then also the the virtual draft parties too i thought that was just interesting to see who showed up and who said no i'm gonna i'm gonna do this from home all right i had this question written down and that was an an excellent preamble if you were a potential first round pick let's say you're not like a top five lock but you probably are going to go in the first round most likely would you and it's a non-covid year covid doesn't exist are you going on site or are you staying home? Man, after the last year, I am doing nothing in person that I don't have to. Um, <laughs> I, if I if I can do like OTAs from home, I'm putting that on Zoom and I'm like, look, guys, I'm doing pushups, whatever. But no, I'm not, I don't think eh, I don't think I'm going to the draft. I I I don't think I am either. I I want to I want to play contrarian and be like, oh yeah, you go yuck it up or whatever, but. I, I don't want to shake Roger Goodell's hand. And uh, in, in case you have that 5% chance that you're Brady Quinn or Aaron Rodgers, and, and they just keep painting to you as you just plummet way below expectations, uh, I, I think I'm just going to chill at home, especially with some of these pretty sweet setups and just have all of my family and close friends and uh, and just see how it goes. Yeah, I mean, now when you get introduced to the team, assuming, you know, the next day, you know, Friday, Saturday, maybe, you know, a day or two after the draft, I'm all there for when you're there with, you know, the actual fans that are going to be rooting for you, management, you know, maybe some of your teammates. Like, I'm there for that. I'm excited. I want to be in Chicago with the Bears fans. I don't care about being in Cleveland for the draft where it's just going to be a bunch of randos. Yeah, I think that's right. Um and I'm sure there are many people screaming right now. Oh, I would go. I would go. I just, I'm just, I'm cool. I, there's just no, there's no downside uh, to staying home, I think. And uh, there's a small but large uh, risk if you go and you just, you plummet. So definitely moment of the draft for me. Bears trade up the number 11 to select Justin Fields, fourth quarterback off the board. We go quarterback, 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 pause, uh, get some other positions in there. And Chicago is a team that, again, you know, I'm viewing the NFL largely through fantasy, and I don't really have a team that I follow, diehard or whatever. But Chicago just always seems like a, a team that's, you know, pretty good, except at the quarterback position. So if Fields can, you know, be halfway decent, uh, especially if Aaron Rodgers leaves the division, that could be really interesting pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, the, the division could be weird. I mean, you have Detroit that's going through a whole bunch of upheaval where you have, I mean, Jared Goff coming in. Who knows how he's going to fit in that offense? So, I mean, the Lions could potentially be bad. I I don't I don't know what's happening with the Vikings anymore. Is Kirk Cousins still alive? I think, he, I mean, I think Yeah, I think so. I mean, it doesn't matter, though. I mean, he's going to be mediocre. So, you know, they're going to be mediocre. So, I mean, yeah. I don't think it would take a whole lot for Fields to come out and look good playing those teams twice a year. Yeah, and we'll see, you know, how much they, you know, how this the summer and into the fall goes, if Trubisky's going to end up uh, starting and and eventually it will give way to Fields or Fields just going to come out and, uh, and and win the competition. And Whoa, the, Trubisky's not in Chicago anymore. Oh, he's gone, right? It's, uh, it's Foles and... Uh, Foles. I looked this up, too. It, it's Foles and somebody else. Oh, uh, Andy Dalton. Oh, there you go. That's right. Yeah. Wasn't he in Dallas last year? Oh, I really just can't follow. Like, 
I really got to take that that preseason to sit down and look at rosters because otherwise I just have no idea what's going on. Yeah, so I mean, it's not he doesn't have great competition to have to beat out. Yeah, let's let's uh, eulogize his college career real quick. Like, what do you think now that it's done in the in the books? It's tough for me. I never had the emotional connection with him. Like, he's he's fine. He's just yeah. for some reason he's just not a guy I ever connected with. And yeah. I like I it, if we're being honest, I don't think he's going to be that great in the NFL. I hope I'm wrong. And I mean, I'm an idiot, and I don't know anything about college football. I don't know anything about the NFL, so I, I'll be fine being wrong. But I just he, he seemed like good, but not great. I mean, I, I absolutely respect what he did, where he got murdered against Clemson and came <laughs> back and like somehow rose from the dead and played in that game. Like he was a likable guy. I just I don't know. He was never the guy for me. I think you and I, me in particular, undersold him for two years. And uh, and I don't know, like I was really on the uh, the Haskins bandwagon and I thought he was he was going to translate much better to the pros. I agree. I'm, I'm surprised with how bad he turned out. And so maybe because he's been so bad and field seems different to me, like they, the, I feel like they have different skill sets. Maybe that means he will translate better uh, into the NFL. I wouldn't imagine that. And maybe, you know, Haskins can find another team that's in a better situation than what Washington's been in and do better and kind of turn it around a little bit. Uh, but I, I do not have a lot of confidence in him. I would love to be proven wrong. Ohio state does not have a great track record in the NFL quarterbacks. Uh, most other positions. Yeah, sure. For sure. Uh, you know, we're sending people in the first round and in the NFL left and right, uh, quarterback has been rough and I would love if we had a quarterback who was like legit good in the NFL, that, that would be like thinking about buying a jersey an nfl jersey for like the first time in forever for me kind of territory uh but i'm cautiously optimistic let's say yeah i mean there, there's no reason to think he's not going to be he he seems a little delicate to me and i don't know why because i mean i just cited his his clemson game where he was anything but but and i know that, that kyler murray's done fine in arizona but he, he just doesn't seem big enough to me and that worries his size just worries me. like he's not fast enough to run away from getting murdered and he's not big enough to take hits so i i worry about his what his health is going to be especially in chicago where i mean they just don't seem to be able to protect quarterbacks yeah i i would say my in my unprofessional opinion my biggest concern with him is just like awareness like situational awareness field awareness there are just so many times i feel like where he tried to you know heroically keep a play alive when he, and then ended up taking a 15 yard sack or throwing a ball that could have been picked or you know just kind of not having a good feel for what's going on around him but again uh who am i to judge uh he's a he's a first round pick now and and i'm just a, a schlub who uh you know, stop playing football at the end of my freshman year because there was no way in the world I was seeing the field and uh, I was tired to get my clocks cleaned out on, on the practice field. So uh, all the best to him, uh, but uh, I'm, we'll see how it goes. Yeah. I mean, with the awareness, the NFL is not kind. I mean, you can get away with that in college a lot better than you can get away with that in the NFL. So, I mean, if he can improve in that area a little bit, I think he's got a chance 
to be good. But I mean, j- just like with Haskins, I'll, I'll certainly be rooting for him every Sunday. So for sure. Er, uh, just random note, Urban Meyer takes two Clemson Tigers in the first round. Trevor Lawrence and Travis Etienne both go to the Jenks. I, I, I have no uh, hope for Urban Meyer at all. Uh, if you give me five years as an over-under for his tenure at Jacksonville, I will take the under. Yeah, I think you'd have a tough time finding somebody to bet you on the other side of that. You think – I feel like we're in the minority about him, though. I feel like there's a lot of people who say he brought us a national championship, you know, the, oh, health reasons, he leaves, you know, whatnot, you know, that, uh, you know, tired excuse for him. I – I don't. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if I shared my my feelings show before, but uh, good luck. I, I won't be sad to see him fail. I mean, he's just not a classy guy. I mean, I this is terrible to say, but I, I'll be fine watching him fail in the NFL. <laughs> uh, I I don't think I'm actively rooting against him, but I'm certainly not like you know my every breath doesn't hinge on how well he does in in the NFL. I just I just I think his I think his strengths uh are things that are specific to college. I think it's you know it's recruiting uh and you know motivational stuff, but I don't think he's some master tactician uh particularly when he's not in charge of picking his players and you know I I just don't have a lot of hope for him in the NFL. Let me tell you something. If he's trying to apply the the things he was good at in college to the assign Josh Gordon very soon, <laughs> because I think what he did in college a lot was take players that had really questionable character, sign them, and then do nothing to support them. I don't know if you've ever seen any of his comments on Aaron Hernandez, but that's where I've lost a lot of respect for him. Yeah, I mean, we, he was like fairly aware of what was going on and was just sort of like, let me wash my hands of that Pontius pilot style as soon as anything goes south. And I was like, I just I didn't get a whole lot of integrity from that situation. And I think that's a lot of where I'm like, yeah, yeah the best of luck. I mean, do what you got to do. And I ripped Urban Meyer when he was at Florida. All of you, everybody did when he was at Florida and all of you Ohio State fans that are out there saying you didn't do it. Bullshit. When he was at Florida, you thought he was a villain. And then he came to Ohio State and he was he's the same guy. Same, same poor character he had at Florida. He's going to take the same poor character to Jacksonville. You just liked him when he was your guy. Uh, I can't disagree with any of that. I think you speak the truth. Um, otherwise lions take an offensive tackle at seven. Uh, I, I generally always kind of think that drafting a lineman is good because if your lines suck, then I just think that you can't do anything in, in football. So, um, any other impressions, uh, anything that jumped out at you either in the first round or just in the draft throughout? Well, we got to talk about Panay Sua a little bit. Did you see, speak on it. Did you see the shot? from his draft party no i i was like i i pro- was probably awake for this but then i in the middle i was in and out and then i woke up a little bit at the end so tell me about it well he, i mean he first of all i think he seems like a great player and, and i agree i think that was a great pick they're going to need to protect i mean whether golf is the future or they're going to go another direction i i agree i mean 
Taylor Decker, who's good. I mean, he's he's going to have the left tackle spot this year, and then Sewell's going to go on the right. So, I mean, if you can anchor the ends of the line, I think that's great for the Lions. But this dude had a stack of Pizza Hut at the draft party. Pizza Hut at the draft party. Yeah, you're not. <laughs> I had Pizza Hut for dinner last night, so, so it's totally kosher in my book. Okay. <laughs> I'm not a big Pizza Hut guy, so I just wanted to throw that out there. Is Pizza Hut legit for the draft? Pizza's totally legit. Like, if you think pizza's not cool for the draft party, you're a psychopath. Get out of here. But I was curious what you thought on Pizza Hut. Okay, so, so it's not a go-to for me. But the reason that Pizza Hut every once in a while is good is because those big dinner boxes have wings and breadsticks on them. Uh, and just to get a little bit of that variety, uh, we are Marco's family in this house. Uh, I'm with you to a fault, unfortunately. Um, you know, sometimes I want to just mix it up a little bit. And we did that tonight. We had some Pizza Hut and the pizza's fine. But, you know, some pizza, some wings, some breadsticks. Uh, it, it was good. Uh, de- decent breadsticks. I'm not the biggest fan of the pizza, but I mean, the, the breadsticks are solid. But no, I did not catch that. So uh, thank you for pointing that out. Yeah, it is. I mean, he had a decent number of of family members there too. So I mean, you know, killing ten pizzas, I think, was probably legit. But yeah, I, it just really stuck out. It was kind of like a, a bunch of Pizza Hut. What you think? <laughs> the last little bit I have here, Andy, as an NFL story, uh, I just threw in the outline real quick, but I wanted to get your take on it. Um, I saw that uh, the Buffalo Bills GM was on a radio show, and he was asked hypothetically, of course. Uh, if you had a, a, you know, it was down between two players that were going to make the roster. One of them was vaccinated. One of them was not. And having a vaccinated player on the team would allow for the team to meet the criteria to have in-person meetings and OTAs and all of that. Uh, the NFL did implement some guidelines that said if X percent of your team is vaccinated, you can meet in person. Otherwise, you can't meet in person and you have to meet remotely. Uh, and this GM was like, yeah, I would I would totally cut the unvaccinated person uh, because these uh, Zoom meetings suck and in-person meetings are more productive. Uh, the, apparently, the NFL came out uh, today and told this GM, uh, you, you can't do that. Uh, but just wanted to get your thoughts on that story. Yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure what they meant was you can't say that. Go ahead and do it. Just don't say, don't come out and say it. But yeah, I mean, I think that's a much. I mean, I think that's a really broad, interesting question that maybe we'll tackle sometime. And I, I don't think we should do it today. But you know, just the idea of employers in general being able to mandate vaccines, encourage vaccines, even ask about vaccine status. I think there's a lot of interesting legal questions around that. But I mean, I get it. It's it's. something like the I mean it's far more important for you know the NFL to have everybody in the same room on the same field than it is you know for my job that I can accomplish via zoom without you know there being a whole lot of loss of quality so I don't have a problem with it If, if you're a player I'd be very shocked I mean just with what COVID is doing to the lungs I mean even I mean there was professional hockey players that not in the NHL but that contracted it they you know are still struggling with it they had an outbreak in san jose where or uh, vancouver where the team was shut down for like three weeks i mean why would you not yeah, take the I vaccine mean, so i mean i have no problem with it yeah jason tatum boston celtics nba player uh since getting covid now has to take an inhaler before every game uh which he did not have to do before getting covid so uh, i assume uh that 
large percentages of the NFL will be vaccinated. One, because, you know, people are trying to make a team and any edge that you can get, I assume, would be helpful. And if, you know, that means that you can contribute to having in-person meetings, that would be an advantage. I assume that every facility will, every team will, you know, have vaccinations at their facility or arrange the logistics for, for people to go get vaccinated. Uh, so there will be no kinds of no access issues in any way whatsoever. It will be, you know, the easiest thing in the world for them to get accomplished. Uh, so yeah, it's an interesting thought. Uh, we'll, we'll put a pin in it for now. Uh, but I think the conversation around carrots and sticks for people getting vaccinated is going to be a big topic in the back half of this year and something we'll probably dive in more into a later episode. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I agree that there's a lot that we could get into there. I do think it's interesting that even though, you know, the Buffalo GM got, it sounds like he got a little bit of a slap on the wrist and say, don't say it. I think putting that message out there that, hey, this kind of stuff matters to us. I think that's going to be in the back of everyone's mind and probably, I mean, maybe we'll sw- sway some of those players that are a little bit on the fence, even if they're saying, you know, explicitly like, okay, we're not doing that. I mean, just the fact that somebody came out and said this matters to them, I would imagine that players are going to be thinking, you know, even if, even if they can't say that, I, I'm sure this does matter to people. So good for him for coming out and saying it. Yeah, so well, that will definitely be something to keep an eye on as the summer progresses. Uh, all right, so moving off of football, uh, we're going to spend a little time giving updates on our sports, uh, you know, that we favor most. Uh, so uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about the NBA. Uh, we're about six to eight games left in a 72-game shortened season this year. Um, Eastern Conference is led by Philly right now. I was actually just watching the game on my computer before you joined the Zoom call, and they secured a very tight win against New Orleans. So Philly 76ers are number one in the Eastern Conference right now. They're three games up over both the Brooklyn Nets and the Milwaukee Bucks, and then there's a pretty big gap after that in the East. Uh, The West is... uh, more top heavy as usual. Utah Jazz and Phoenix Suns are one and two right now. And there's a whole lot of teams that are a little bit more competitive in the West. Uh, but Andy, something that will translate uh, across all sports and what I want to pose to you. This year, uh, the NBA has implemented a playing game officially uh, for the final spots in the playoffs. So I'm I'm going to explain the format to you, and then I want to get your opinion on on things that you like about this and things that you don't. Uh, So for each conference this year, instead of just the top eight seeds being guaranteed to be in, seven through ten are all in play. First, seed seven and seed eight will play. The winner is just automatically in as a seven seed. And then the loser of that game will play the winner of nine and ten. Nine and ten will play each other. And then the winner of that game is the eight seed. Uh, and so you have somebody who could end the regular season as the seven seed. And they could be out of the playoffs if they lose two games in a row. What do you think about this as a system? I mean, I think it's a, it's a one game play in. So if you're if you're seven and eight, you have two games, right? Because if you win the first game, you're just in, and then you go to a to your real elimination game. The loser goes to an elimination game where if they lose again, 
then they're completely out. Um, right, so but it's not like a like a seven and eight series or no, a nine and ten it is, series. It is one game. Ooh, I, I I think I'd like it as like a three game series. I mean, I I like the idea in general. I do like the idea that, you know, eight's not automatically, you know, that it's not seven plays 10 and eight plays nine. I do like that it's seven and eight play sevens in, you know, the loser goes on and plays another game. I, I, I do think it's interesting. I get it from a revenue perspective for sure, especially in a, you know, every year other than this, when there's going to be in-person attendance, but I mean, yeah, why not more chaos, especially in a league, you know, I mean, if you want to be guaranteed in the playoffs, Get in the top six spots. I mean, you know what the deal is. Yeah, exactly. You know, if you make seven, I mean, you know, going in, if you make, if you're at seven and eight, you got to play to get in. Yeah, I'm all for it. Yeah, I like I, I love this. Um, and the reason why I love this is really because the biggest benefit of the system is this so far has discouraged tanking in the NBA, which you know I would say maybe more than any other sport. Uh, I don't know. I mean, there's some truly horrific baseball teams. Uh, every year but you know especially the last month the last couple weeks of the season if you're you know if you can't make the eight spot then you know pack it in there's really no advantage to you know being the nice seed uh you should try to lose as much as you can to to strengthen your lottery odds uh, to try and get the first pick uh but many fewer teams have packed it in at this point in the season you know we only have you know, uh, you know, a tenth of the season or so left. Uh, and most teams are still in it. Uh, most teams are still alive for a potential 10 spot. And, you know, a 10 seed can, if you win two games in a row, gets you into the playoffs where you will probably be stomped by the one seed. Uh, you know, the NBA is by far, I think, the most predictable playoffs. Every series is best of seven. And unlike hockey, there is no... You know, a goalie gets hot and the eight seed just, you know, plows their way through the playoffs. And, you know, in, in the NBA, one seeds beat eight seeds just about every time. Two seeds beat seven seeds very often. Uh, and so this keeps more teams uh, viable for longer parts of the year. And, uh, and, well, there's a possibility. So the Lakers have been beset by injury uh, issues. Uh, but they should have LeBron and Anthony Davis, you know, as the playoffs gear up or whatnot. There's a possibility that they could have to play the Golden State Warriors in a play-in game where Steph Curry has just been on fire the last month. And that game, as an elimination game, is going to draw a huge number for the NBA. So I love this all the way around. Yeah. And, I mean, again, every year other than this year, I mean – even to be the eight seed and you know, the eight seed, nine seed, 10 seed and get stomped by the one seed. I mean, that's still two home playoff gates that you get. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to turn that down in a nope. regular year. Nope, definitely not. So I love this idea quite a bit and we'll see if it's something they keep, you know, because LeBron came out and LeBron said, this is the dumbest idea. Whoever came up with it should be fired, but that's because, you know, they went from, they were like the three or the four seed, maybe a, a week or two ago and because they've had injuries and they haven't played well, they've lost a bunch of games. Uh, they're now in one of those, you know, they could potentially fall to one of those danger spots where it's not guaranteed. Uh, and I get that, you know, if you have a year where the Lakers don't make the playoffs, you know, that's not great for the, the NBA financially, but as you said, 
you know, sports are for winners. Like if you don't want to, uh, you know, have a chance to be out of the playoffs, then be a top six seed. Yeah. I, I mean, absolutely. If, if you know what the deal is, if you know what the rules are for getting in the playoffs going in, I mean, you know what you got to do if you don't want to play one of those play in games. Yeah, for sure. All right, my friend, tell me what's going on in hockey right now. So hockey is, is similarly getting close to the end here. We have most of the teams have played a similar amount of games, except for the Vancouver Canucks, who are like five games behind because they had to take that couple of weeks off when their team had a, a really bad outbreak. So the NHL is playing in different divisions than they normally do this year. And they're playing. So the, the playoffs will be kind of interdivisional. So there's two divisions in the East and two divisions in the West, but they're okay. different than they would normally be. And then all the playoffs will be within that division. And then the two East winners, obviously will play two West winners will play. So it's, it's our jam together in one division from East to West. So uh, because of border crossing issues. So that has been a thrill for Canadian fans to see all the Canadian fans just beat up on each other all year round. Um, I think the big stories in the NHL are, are is I mean, it's the same question it is every year. Is Toronto for real? Columbus knocked him out last year. <laughs> so, I mean, Austin Matthews is playing out of his mind, but he tends to do that in the regular season, and then we'll see what happens, you know, in the playoffs. Uh, Carolina has won the including in that division has, you know, Tampa, who won last year. They have Florida, who has played really well. So, basically, if it's warm – if you play in, in the warm weather this year, you're probably playing some good hockey. So that'll be interesting how that's going to shake out. Hmm. I know there, there, there's a lot of teams that are kind of really tightly clustered at the top. And I think anything can happen this year just because it, it it's so different than normal, you know, the normal playoff setup. I think it's really interesting. Um, one of the things the NHL has done this year that I've absolutely loved is they started playing series. So normally you know, teams will go around and play whoever. It's a lot like the NBA schedule is, I assume. You know, if, if you're the Lakers, you might be in Detroit one night and then in Cleveland the next. Yep. So this year it's been, you know, you, you if you're – and it's all within the divisions again. So, you know, the, the entire schedule is – but so if, if Columbus is playing Detroit, they'll go play two games in Detroit. You know, and then, and then if Chicago's coming to Detroit, then, you know, again, it'll be a two-game series. So there's been some really interesting stuff. You know, it's, it's a lot like in the minors where they'll play, you know, the walleye might play the same team Friday and Saturday night. And the back end of that, those two games, I mean, if something happens Friday night, Saturday night's going to be interesting. You're going to want to be in your seats by the time the puck drops. So, I mean, that, that happened last night. So there, there was a big incident between the Washington Capitals and the New York Rangers. They played on Tuesday and Tom Wilson, who's kind of a notable piece of shit for the Capitals, <laughs> uh, slammed Artemi Panarin down by the hair, was cross-checking people in the back. Uh, the team came out with a really strongly worded statement that was that called the uh, head of player safety uh, unfit for his job and stopped just short of calling him a coward for not suspending Wilson. So that, that was kind of fascinating to just, I mean, it was absolute fire. Oh, wow. Uh, coming from, from New York. So they played last night and on the opening phase of every forward for New York, just, it was a fight straight off the drop. There were over a hundred penalty minutes in the first period. <laughs> um, and I mean, that's the kind of stuff that, you know, back in, in the old scheduling days, they might've played, you know, Tuesday, but they might not have played again until next Friday. 
right. it's a little bit different when you're playing two nights later against that same team. So that's something I hope they really carry forward because I think that's been really interesting just to see some of that, you know, that that fire carry over. Yeah, the NBA has been doing that some some as well as far as like, you know, making road trips be like, you know, you go out and you play everybody in the same area or you play a team a couple times uh, to try and again, you know, minimize the the travel during covid i think that is really good obviously don't have that at all in the nba um do you think the league likes it andy like again i i don't have my pulse on what the nhl does or doesn't like you know i know that locally you know uh the toledo walleye fans love it on those second and third games because you know like you said things can get really feisty do you think the league likes the feistiness you think that draws more people and they want to allow it as much as they can without things getting out of control or what do you think about that i don't think the, i don't think the the fit i mean that's a rare scenario where it's you know the three guys fighting off the drop it, it's been more of you know heated competition and less of kind of the nastiness so mm-hmm. i think uh you know from what i followed and what i've read teams love it because it's logistically easier it's you know you get to spend a couple of nights in the same city and you don't mind playing the same team over and over again so i think the teams like it i think the fans don't mind it i don't know if the league loves it because the league wants you know if i'm in a columbus season ticket holder i think what they're trying to say is you know i want to see everybody filter through rather than see you know detroit two nights in a row so fair i i i I don't know i i the, the people that I follow, nobody really seems to have a sense of if this is something that's going to be carried through or not. But I think if we're up to teams and players, it's something that would, would carry through because they're enjoying just the logistical ease of it. All right. So we're going to, today's going to be a double list week. So let's get into it. Our first list of the week. It's the list of the week. All right, Andy. So we're going to continue on with hockey. Uh, we're going to discuss our uh, MVP balance. Uh, for our respective sports so go ahead Andy give us your uh, hockey awards your MVP ballot uh, as the season stands right now all right you want, you want me to hit you with all five or are we uh we flipping it back and forth no give me your five through one uh, and then I will go ahead and give mine all right uh so number five uh captain of the Pittsburgh Penguins Sidney Crosby I mean, this guy is, a, I mean, he's just a machine. He's uh, playing over a point per game this season. I mean, he's he's an animal, and he deserves to be up there. I mean, I remember watching him when we were in college, so he must be excellent if uh, he's still that good. Yeah, I mean, he's, he's still sick. <laughs> uh, at four, I'm going to say Brad Marchand from the – Boston Bruins. This is one of those guys that can kind of get under your skin. So he is a little bit in the mold of, of like a Tom Wilson, but like a not piece of shit version of Tom Wilson. So, <laughs> so Wilson is tough scores, but he does cheap stuff. Marshawn is tough scores, but he does. He He's the kind of guy that can get under your skin. I mean, he went through a, a phase where he was licking people's faces just to piss him off. Oh my God. And all that made a lot of people mad, but I thought it was kind of funny. Um, but I mean, he's just, he, he's a rat on the ice, but he's the kind of rat you would love to have in your corner. So, I mean, he's a hell of a player and I'd have, I'd have him at number four, number three on my list. I'm going to throw out Sebastian Ajo. So he is playing with the Carolina hurricanes. Again, a, a guy that's over a point per game. I mean, Carolina has been sick this year and 
he is the engine that drives Carolina. So I'm going to have Ajo on there. It, I mean, he just scores some nasty looking goals too. So I, statistically he might not be a top five guy, but he's one of those guys that when you look, he really just kind of jumps off the page. Number two, Austin Matthews from Toronto. He has 40 goals in 49 games. That's not bad. That um, seems good. Yeah. He is one of the, I mean, he has a nasty release. He Just watching this guy shoot. I mean, this guy could probably score from his own, his own side of the ice. I mean, he is, he's nasty. He's American. So you got to love that he's American. And again, I mean, Toronto is playing really good hockey right now and, and he's, the best player on that team. Uh, number one, this is really easy. There's no chance he's not going to win it. It's Connor McDavid from Edmonton. I mean, this guy could make you like watching hockey. Oh, wow. I mean, Connor McDavid is the, the player that you create on the, uh, the EA sports, like create a player. He's got the 99 speed, the 99 shot. So uh, let me throw this one out for you. This guy has 96 points in 52 games. Is that good? <laughs> I don't know anything about hockey, but I know that that's really good. <laughs> yeah. So if you're playing at a point per game, you're pretty good. Uh, so there's, there's, you know, 10 to 15 guys a year that are playing at the point per game clip. I mean, this guy's coming damn close to two points per game. That's insane. Yeah. 31 goals, 65 assists. I mean, he is, and I mean, he's not scoring empty net goals. I mean, these are beauties. I mean, he will just embarrass guys. I mean, embarrass top five defenders in the league on a nightly basis. So, I mean, this guy is the sickest player in hockey. It's not even close. And, and he is just a joy to watch. So, I mean, McDavid's going to win it. So the rest of the list was nice. If you disagree with it, it doesn't matter because McDavid's winning. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting that it's, it's locked up already. Uh, and that's going to bring me to, to my NBA MVP ballot. Uh, number five for me, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Uh, he's having, and I nailed that, by the way. Uh, I, I, I wasn't going to interrupt you because I knew you were probably buzzing after that, but that was beautiful. I did spell <laughs> his name phonetically in the outline so I could nail it. Um, but man, I just crushed it right there. Uh, yeah, you, you bask in that one for a minute. That was nice. <laughs> uh, Giannis is having as good of a season as his last two when he was the NBA MVP. There's no way in the world he's going to win it this year after he wins the regular season MVP two years in a row and his teams semi spectacularly, you know, crash out of the playoffs. He definitely is getting to the point in his NBA career where it's like, okay, if you really are this amazing superstar. Uh, you, you need to win in the playoffs. You need to at least make the finals. Uh, so I'll be curious to see if he can do that this year. They are the three seed. They could very well finish as the two seed in the East. Uh, so we will see how that goes for him this year. Number four on my list is Chris Paul. Talk about a guy who's been playing for a while. Um, Chris Paul went to the Phoenix Suns. Uh, they were a young team. They were an up and coming team. And he is a veteran point guard that has brought them to the two seed in a very competitive West. Uh, so very curious to see how far he can take them in the, in the playoffs. He is a person who has not had playoff success uh, in his NBA career. And I'm kind of surprised that he has another shot at it. And I'm curious to see how far he'll take them. Uh, number three on my list is Steph Curry. Uh, they have shot up, I believe, to the eight seed they were under 500 for a stretch uh but andy you gave me some very obvious hockey statistics and asked 
uh, is this good. I'm going to give you some stats from Steph Curry's April. Uh, in April, four games with 10 or more three-pointers made. Uh, to give you some context for that, only five other players have multiple 10-plus three-pointer games in the history of the league, and only one player ever in the NBA has more as five games uh, total. Uh, and he did four of those games just in the month of April. Uh, he's averaging 37 points, six boards, five assists at 52% from the field and 47% from three. Those are just bananas numbers. He is uh, the NBA scoring leader right now. He is single-handedly uh, pushed his team into the playoffs. He's definitely not going to win. He's been, uh, you know, he's definitely had some injury issues this year. Uh, he scored 30 plus points in 13 of those 15 games in April. Uh, he's just been a monster. He is the NBA's you must turn on the TV and watch if he's in a game player right now. Yeah, those 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 stats seem pretty out of this world. Uh, literally, we we uh, I was around to watch the best shooter in NBA history. Uh, the, it's not even a controversial statement uh, to say that he is the best shooter of the league's ever, ever produced, which is amazing. Uh, okay, so this brings us to one and two. Uh, the NBA is in the same spot as the NHL. The MVP for this year is going to be Nikola Jokic, a.k.a. the Joker. Uh, he is plays center for the Denver Nuggets. They are at like the four seed in the NBA right now. Uh, their second best player, I think, tore his ACL. He has some kind of injury that happened in the middle of the season, uh, end of the season. Uh, he's single-handedly carrying them. His stat line is bananas as a center, 26 points, 11 boards, eight rebounds. And most importantly, and the thing I'm going to post to you in a second, he has played, I think, every game this year. Uh, the person I have second uh, second on my ballot, first in my heart, uh, Joel Embiid uh, is averaging 29 and 11. Just put up a monster 37 right before this podcast ended uh, to hold off the Pelicans and retain the one seed in the East. It just got some amazing BDE. Just he is the man and he wants everybody to know it. But he's only played 47 games this year. So my question to you, Andy, what percentage of a season does a player have to play before you say you would just have not played enough games to qualify to be the MVP of the league? I think you got to be at, uh, at least 75%. I think that's a fair number. Um, and and under that, uh, under that metric, Joel Embiid would not have played enough games. Again, he's at 47 games probably 48 tonight. He probably is going to be somewhere in the, you know, 50 game or so range out of 72. Um, and probably, you know, has missed too many games. He's there's a very good chance. He's going to finish second. Uh, but of all the people that I saw uh, this year play, you know, over many games besides Steph's crazy April, uh, he has been a dominant force. They are the one seed in the East. Uh, I'm really rooting for them this year, uh, but uh, Jokic is definitely uh, number one uh, for MVP this year. So was Curry just not ridiculous at the beginning of the season? Is that why he's not 
in that conversation with the ridiculous month that he's had. Well, uh, the second best player on their team, Clay Thompson, has, has been injured uh, again, so and missed most of the whole year. And their their core has faded from their you know three NBA titles uh, in the in the last you know five years or so. Uh, so he's it's taken everything that he's had just to keep them in the playoff hunt, which is why he's not going to be the MVP this year. You know, you're, they were a 10 seed, I think maybe a week ago. Um, and the NBA almost always wants you to be on like a top four seed. If you're going to be the MVP historically, uh, but he's just been bananas this year. So, and, uh, over seven, again, the NBA is very predictable. You're playing seven game series. It's very likely that, you know, the Warriors and, and Steph Curry are going to be bounced pretty early. Uh, but that might mean that Steph still might have a couple of games where he goes off for 40, 50 points and just is crazy. Yeah, I feel like if you're uh, going with the true definition of most valuable player, if you have a guy that's drugged your team from maybe not making the playoffs at all to solidly in, that argues for some value, but I get it. I mean, the NHL is the same way. You can be a really good player on a bad team, and it doesn't matter. Yeah, and I mean, again, Joker would make that same argument. He's played every game this year, and he has kept them at a four seed. Uh, so I, I think he is a he is a deserving MVP. It's not just – I don't think he's going to win it just because he played every game this season. Uh, he has certainly been spectacular. Uh, but this whole year has just been rough between in- injuries and COVID. Lots of people have missed significant time. So it makes that apples to apples comparison a little more difficult. Uh, but I think he's he's a pretty much a lock to win MVP this year. Fair enough. All right. So moving uh, on to a sport that we really haven't spent a lot of time on, but I think we, we actually do like more than this podcast would indicate. You certainly have been on, on the on the beat for this uh a lot of things have been going on big picture wise in soccer fill us in yeah so i i, I want to go back to it, it was mid-march you texted me something along the lines of i don't know what's going on on with european super league but you got to fill me in next time on the podcast so <laughs> that time has come <laughs> so super league yeah we'll start with super league um we hardly knew ye super league So on April 18th, there was this huge announcement that Europe was planning on creating a super league. So right now, the the biggest like trans-European competition is the UEFA Champions League. So each league gets a certain number of spots. So like England gets four spots. I think Spain gets two or three spots. And I think that may change. But, you know, roughly you get somewhere between... The, the, the major, you know, France, Germany, England, Spain, get somewhere between two and four teams in the Champions League. And then the champions of some of the, the smaller leagues, so like, the you know, the Dutch League, the Turkish League, their champions, the Greek League, their champions will get through, you know, the one champion will get through. Mm-hmm. And they play in the Champions League. So they play a group stage with four teams in a group. The top two teams move on, very similar to the World Cup style. And then they play two-leg elimination matches in the, the quarterfinals and the semifinals, and then they play a one-match final. So that's the way Champions League works right now. Well, Super League came out and was like, basically, fuck you, Champions League. You're done. It's Super League time. So so Super League was going to have 15 uh, like charter members that were always going to be in Super League. 
So these are going to be teams that you've heard of. This is, you know, Manchester City and United. This is Arsenal, Chelsea, uh, Tottenham, Liverpool out of England, Juventus, Milan, Barcelona, Madrid. I mean, I know I didn't hit all of them there, but 15 teams that were going to be the core members. And then they were going to let five teams kind of rotate through as the, you know, you can get promoted to this. So basically it's the big money teams going, starting their own league and saying, you want to watch the best in Europe. We're going to do this. We don't give a shit about champions league. It's going to be super league. So it sounds great, right? I mean, this would be like if, you know, Alabama and Ohio state and Clemson all said, fuck you to their leagues and we're just going to create college football super league so it's really interesting yep the best teams are all together Mm -hmm. so this was on the i want to get the dates right here because you know we'll do a little math in a little bit so this was on the 18th of april they came out announced this the fans of basically every team were like uh this is bullshit and we're not for this. This is just you going for a money grab because Champions League has a lot of history. You know, it's very well respected. And the teams were like, yeah, we're not, the, the fans were like, we're really not in for this. Well, it didn't even matter what the fans said because UEFA, which is the uh, European Football Association and FIFA came out and they're like, well, guys, we're going to make sure this doesn't happen. So <laughs> they came out and said, uh, you won't be playing in the European Championships for your countries. UEFA said that if you come out, you know, you will not be playing the European championships. FIFA said, if you want to play for one of the teams that's in super league, uh, enjoy that. You're not playing in the world cup anymore. Cause you know, we're not going to let you. So you guys want to go do your own thing. Great. Have fun. Just don't touch any of our stuff. Um, you know, so uh, <laughs> basically by the 20th. So, you know, I said, we're doing some math two days later. <laughs> Uh, teams were like, yep, yeah, we we're just kidding about that. Uh, we're not in on that. What are you talking about? Super League? What Super League? So, so the Manchester teams dropped out really quick. Uh, Madrid was like, no, nah, we, we're not in on that. And uh, it was pretty much over by the 20th. So, I, I mean, there, there's a lot of court stuff going on where teams are, are trying to fight it out. But uh, <laughs> it, it was an idea that came out really quickly and, and just as quickly when UEFA and FIFA kind of swung the big hammer as everybody said, JK, we're not doing this. All right. So walk me through this a little bit. Like, obviously the reason for this is money, but like, is, uh, is the motivating factor, the fact that champions league is like too watered down. Like you already have a league with a lot of really good teams in it. Like it, did we just filter out the, the, the bad teams out of champions league? Like, yeah, I, I, I think that's, I mean, I don't think that there's any any real fans that think that Champions League is watered down. Like, I think that's a tough argument to make. But there's teams that are less of a money draw. I mean, you know, do you really want to go see your team play the Belgian League champions? Or do you want to go see them play, you know, Liverpool every every other week? So, I mean, yeah, it, it really just came down to money. So, I don't even think they really tried to make an argument of anything else it wasn't like a, oh champions league has lost their way it's just like yeah we can get more money there was even talk about some of the matches being played in the united states oh wow <laughs> yeah uh, wait uh, if you want to piss every single person in europe off uh i can't think of an easier way to do that than yeah making the games not even be on the continent yeah so uh 
I mean, I don't think anybody really has a problem with Champions League at all. I think the owners were just kind of making a grab for cash and, and it failed. So there's actually a lot of American owners of some of the biggest teams in Europe and especially the English team. So there's there's been a, a fair bit of just anti-American sentiment in general. So the idea that they were going to play games in America pissed people off, but also that it's these American owners that are coming in and trying to just destroy traditions to try and make some cash really piss some people off but i mean it, it's it's certainly gone now <laughs> so I'm, I'm sure we probably have some listeners that right now and they're like man you guys really bag on america a lot why don't you just go move somewhere else or whatever and i just want to make one thing very clear it's too hard to i'd move to canada tomorrow if they'd <laughs> let me i mean what were you saying <laughs> well what I was going to say is, let's say for, we picked on the NCAA on this podcast before, but the NCAA doesn't hold a candle to the corruption that you get in FIFA uh, and, you know, the international soccer stage. So just to be clear, I'm going to go ahead and put my two cents in to say, you know, you know, FIFA can say all this, you know, we're not going to let you play, blah, blah, blah. If you want to point to corrupt organizations, one of the granddaddies of them all, the IOC, FIFA, we're talking about some of these international organizations, just insanely corrupt. So there's there's my patriotic I love America position for the podcast right there. Yo, but if this happened in America, who's, who's doing this if this happens in America? I feel like in the next 10 years, this is going to happen in college football. It's the NCAA. This is a total NCAA move. Yeah. Um, and that's because i feel like the the way this isn't the same is that you don't have a diehard large passionate fan base for ucf or or even like boise state right like the 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 little fish are too little in college football i feel like where you could just pluck even if you just said okay we're gonna have a lot of fat but it's just gonna be the power five conferences and that's it nobody else gets a piece of the action man i could totally see this happening in college football absolutely and really like you and i and zach and and our buddy stan spent some time uh picking out teams in college football who we think would be in this you know college football super league and it was kind of hard to get up to a sufficient number of teams i thought yeah i mean i i think there was probably a solid like maybe what maybe 10 to 12 like yeah those teams are definitely in and then after that it becomes uh you know how much do you value you know are you gonna let traditionally interesting teams and so if you're letting in like the you know the big market money teams michigan's in for sure but if you're really trying to put the best teams in michigan's got no chance right like we were looking at a proposed league and like nebraska was in it it was like you know yeah they've got history but have you been relevant at all in the last two and a half decades? Like, no, you know? So uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty interesting. You know, there's a, quite a few teams in the SEC, a couple teams from the big 10, a couple from the big 12, you know, maybe you get a, a Pac-12 team here or there, an ACC team uh, here or there, but yeah, this is, if, if any, if this was going to happen anywhere, it would be college football hundred percent. I think the way that you could maybe sell me on it is if you played like a six game regular, like a six game conference schedule, and then maybe did like a six game super league. 
like I wouldn't want, you know, Ohio State to be out of the Big Ten, but maybe if there was a Super League and then you also played like a six game Big Ten schedule, I just don't know what everybody else would do. I don't know if you'd break it into, you know, the the equivalent of like the Europa League, which is, you know, Champions League junior for European right. soccer, where it's, you know, that next tier of teams down. So I don't know what everybody else would do for the rest of the year. But I mean, I know there's plenty of people that would tune in for that every week. I like the traditions of conferences. I don't think I would want, you know, the idea of Ohio state to be out of the big 10, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. If, I mean, the NCAA is 100% just going to go whichever direction the cash is. So I agree. It wouldn't surprise me at all. If this is the direction that things went. Yeah. But I mean, our team's in the best of both worlds, uh, you know, in the sense that we can play in the big 10 and we just historically, you know, we have a pretty good shot at making the playoffs, uh, you know, on any given year and, and playing some of those other teams. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you for sure. Just, just keep it how it is right now. Uh, the current system uh, benefits uh, us just fine. And, uh, and yeah, anything that would give more prestige to Michigan I'm, I'm against. So. Yeah. But just think about how great it would feel if they announced the first, you know, super league schedule and Michigan's not one of the teams. <laughs> that... That'd be a fun day. That would be that would be great. All right, wrap us up with soccer. I know the Champions League, you know, there's stuff going on with there, and then the U.S. Men's National Team. Which, okay, I'm gonna interrupt your soccer talk for a second to just rant for a second. This is not a novel opinion, but pay the women as much money as the men in soccer. The women's team is a, an icon of the United States. They carry the flag well. They dominate. I'm gonna pick a I'm gonna pick a women's national team game over a men's national team game every single time. Uh, it's ridiculous that there's not equality in that sense. I mean, the women are playing for something that matters, and the guys are playing El Salvador and struggling. <laughs> <laughs> You're absolutely right to take the women's game. I've been to both. I mean, they're both really, really interesting. I mean, I've I, I've I've been to you know a men's game that with a whole lot on the line, you know, with a trip to Brazil against Mexico on the line. So, you know, a game that mattered a whole lot. And then I've been to it, you know, some men's games that, that mattered a little bit less in the gold cup. And then I've just been to a women's friendly, but I mean, it's never a bad time. And I think, again, this kind of goes back to college football. Like you wash your hands a lot of the, like, you know, the teams that we crush and it's a non game or whatever. Whereas if I'm a fan of something, I will happily sit down for, two and a half hours and watch them beat the snot out of some unworthy team. So give me the women's team all day that Megan Rapino and everything that she's done from a social justice standpoint, the whole team uh, love them. Uh, and I'm going to pick them over the men's team every single time. Yeah. I mean, if you're down to watch an American team crush somebody, you don't have to worry about that with the men because they could play Luxembourg and go <laughs> it end up a zero, zero draw. Oh, it's so sad. Uh, some someday we'll have to kind of like do some research and uh, kind of dive into a, a full blown why does our men's team uh, suck so much uh, in in this country that values sports so much. But uh, we can save that for another time. You know what the good news is, though, if we're going to do that, we might need to do that soon because there's a lot of promise with this. I mean, this is the most exciting the men's team has been in a while. Thank God. I mean, it, it, it's all really young talent, but we have a lot of American talent playing in Europe right now and playing at a high level. I mean, the Champions League final is coming up and an American will win the Champions League. 
So we have Christian Pulisic at Chelsea and we have Zach Steffen, the goalkeeper at Manchester City. So either way, there's an American that's going to win Champions League this year. That's huge. I mean, Pulisic has scored. He scored in the uh, semifinals. He had a beautiful assist uh, Wednesday afternoon on Chelsea's second goal that really kind of cemented their place in the final. So, I mean, there's a lot to be excited about the men's team right now. There's a couple of really interesting guys playing in Spain right now. Serginho Dest is an outside back that's playing for Barcelona, and he's been getting into some games, you know, some really meaningful games. He played in the Copa del Rey final. Uh, Yunus Musa is playing at Valencia. So, I mean, we have guys playing at really high-level teams all throughout Europe. Gio Reyna at uh, Dortmund is i mean this this dude is 17 or he just turned 18 but this dude was scoring ridiculous like set piece goals at 17 in the bundesliga i mean for one of the top teams so i mean there's a lot to be excited about with the men's team so if we're going to do that let's do that quick because i think you know maybe not this world cup cycle but the next world cup cycle we should have a solid team of guys that'll be in their, you know, early to mid twenties and really have a chance to, to maybe do a little bit of damage for the first time in a long time. That's all great news. I know I'm an uninformed soccer fan, but we need to have a standard where it's unacceptable not to make the world cup. Um, and we just got to do better. And it seems we're trending that way. Uh, hopefully, you know, success breeds more success and, you know, all these players doing well in, in the best leagues in the world might attract uh, you know, more and more top talent. We develop the infrastructure. We get a better team in place, a uh, better organization. Uh, and so that's all really good because World Cup, the Olympic soccer, uh, it's it's really fun. It's really amazing to watch. It's in a it's in a great time of the year. You know, otherwise it's baseball season and not a whole lot's going on. Uh, just love it. Yeah, World Cup years are like oh, just an absolutely welcome drink of water. And those every, those every, well, I guess it's every two, you know, we got a men's cup and then a women's cup. So two of those four years where it's like, oh no, is it the baseball hole? And it's like, oh no, it's world cup time. So yes. Yeah. The world cups are basically like the diametric opposite of election cycles. It's like, oh, this really cool thing is happening every four years as opposed to this really like gut wrenching, horrible thing that could happen every four years. I mean, the World Cup can be gut-wrenching. Were you there when we watched the U.S. play Belgium at Frickers? Uh, I think so. I'm not sure. It was not, apparently it was not that gut-wrenching for me. Yeah, I think for the rest of us, that was a tough one. So, I mean, it's it, it's not like Trump winning an election. Horrific, but it was rough. Yeah, I the most gut-wrenching soccer loss that I remember is actually, uh, didn't we lose to... Didn't the women's team lose to Japan in the finals one year? Yes. Yeah, I remember that not being very happy uh, after that. Um, they did not win. They did not lose to Japan the next time they played them in the finals, though. Yes, didn't they annihilate them? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, and that's America, and that's what I like. <laughs> yeah, and that was one of those that I think everybody going in thought it was going to be a pretty close game, and then the U.S. was like, uh, "Yeah, it's America time." Yeah. All right, Andy. Um, that was a lot of sports, and I enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm ready for us to get in the playoff time. And uh, I'm sure summer will be here and gone in the blink of an eye. And then we'll be right back in football season. So, hey, let's do it. All right. 
Uh, before we get to our second list of the week, we are going to hit some of these topics real quick. Nothing we're going to dive into super deep. Andy, how much of the 72 minutes of Biden's presidential address to Congress did you watch? Uh, that is an easy answer for me. That is uh, zero. Okay. I uh, did my patriotic duty and listened to all 72 minutes. Uh, I, I aged a decade when I told my family... Hey guys, hey guys, I need a TV. The president's talking. And so I did sit there. I did listen to it. It was completely and utterly boring in a good way. Uh, the president uh, gave an update on uh, how the pandemic response is going, uh, how the American Recovery Act is helping uh, the country. And then, you know, his two big plans uh, the American Jobs Plan, which is going to deal with infrastructure uh, and, and jobs, as it's called. Uh, and then the American Families Plan, which has a lot of things to do with child care and, and education and whatnot. Uh, two very bold pieces of legislation uh, that probably are going to get mired in Congress. And we'll see what forms come out of Congress at all, if at all. Uh, but perfectly boring in a way that I really enjoyed. Yeah, I think that might be the equivalent of watching your team just, you know, go for a romp against Illinois and win by four touchdowns. It's nice. It's nice to just <laughs> have a presidential speech where you're not on pins and needles saying, oh, God, what terrible thing is going to happen next? But just to be able to kind of watch it and say, oh, OK, this is nice. I mean, not the most exciting thing in the world, but hey, we're back. Yes, uh, it was definitely a return to the normalcy as compared to the previous four years so i uh, enjoyed it quite a bit and then promptly you know forgot about it and didn't let it you know consume the rest of my week so very nice vaccine news i'm just gonna hit a couple quick things there is a lot of big news in the vaccine world uh over these last couple of weeks pfizer uh is going to be applying for eau approval for 12 to 15 year olds likely as quick as next week and so we're going to be bumping that age group down again. Pfizer is the only vaccine that's approved for 16 uh, year olds and older. Uh, Moderna is still at 18. Uh, and we're going to be looking to knock down uh, those uh, age groups uh, as much as we can to get as many people as possible vaccinated. So Pfizer is uh, looking to do 12 to 15 year olds pretty quickly here. Uh, Moderna released some data saying that the vaccine uh, was 96% effective in 12 to 18 year olds. Uh, so they will be right behind Pfizer as they were the first go around uh, getting their vaccine uh, into uh, teenagers. Pfizer is going to be seeking full authorization for their vaccine. Uh, they're going to be applying for that very soon. And I'm not going to bore everyone here with the whole long process, but Andy, I one of the excuses that we see on the internet, I wouldn't say it's the first excuse. And I, I don't think I've had anybody in my family use it in particular, but something you'll see is, oh, well, the vaccines aren't even approved. And they, and they tell you this thing, like it's some novel, like very unknown thing. And they're like, oh, well, what does it mean? It's not really fully approved. And Andy, so I'm going to pose this question to you. Can you tell me the difference between FDA emergency use authorization and if this was full authorization under a biological license application? I mean, the easy answer is no. 
I have no <laughs> idea what the difference is. I'd imagine that the emergency authorization was specifically created for a situation like this where speed is really important. <laughs> okay. So you know what the definition of the word emergency is. Very good. Yes. Uh, you're, you're correct in that. Uh, I, but, I, did, I did take high school English. But it's more to the point of, do, do I think that, I don't know, three people out of 100 know, know the distinction? Two people out of 100, maybe? Okay. To give it to you real quick, again, most of this is just a lot of red tape that Operation Warp Speed, uh, credit to the Trump administration, uh, got rid of a lot of the red tape. But if we're talking about actual data, what the FDA wants to see to evaluate safety and efficacy for emergency use authorization for these vaccines, two months of data for full, uh, you know, full licensure to say, yes, the FDA approves this vaccine. It is approved completely and fully six months of data. That's the big difference. It's four extra months of data that we already have for people who have been getting vaccinated, you know, as early as the early part, mid 2020. So when you, next time somebody tells you, oh, these vaccines are only emergency use, use authorized and they are not fully approved, go ahead and tell them how small that difference actually is from a what, there. it's a big difference from a time and paperwork and red tape perspective, but from what data they actually want to collect to make sure it is truly safe. We've put hundreds of millions of doses in people at this point. It's four extra months of safety data, of efficacy data. So I just want people to keep that in mind, scratch that off your list of bullshit excuses and pick another one because that's not really something that you should use because it's not legit. So two questions on that. Well, I guess one one statement and then one question. One, I'm glad you gave credit to the Trump administration because I'm pretty sure Rudy Giuliani is listening to every podcast that's made, <laughs> trying to make sure that that we get. I mean, we probably get sued if we didn't give credit. So Rudy, I'm glad you're you're listening because you don't have anything else to do. Um, number two, if it is four months difference, I mean, this is just an, an honest question. Why haven't people gotten the full authorization? considering vaccines have been going into people for more than six months now? Well, a couple of things. One, it's just, again, going back to the nature of the word emergency, right? Like, I, I feel like a year in, people are just, you know, they have dulled their senses to the fact that more than half a million Americans have died. A study came out this week that looked at, you know, it used statistical methods way above my head, I did, you know, I did give it a college try as far as reading the article, but then dropped out eventually at some point and estimated that the true number of COVID deaths in the United States is somewhere in the 900,000 plus range, so rapidly approaching a million. And again, we can split hairs, right? Like to me, I would say if I, you know, was having a, a heart attack and couldn't get a hospital bed because the hospital was too full of COVID patients and I died. I would count that as a COVID death because if COVID didn't exist, that would be a death. But, you know, whatever, you, 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 the paper's out there for you to look at methods and whatnot. But again, we are in the midst of an emergency. So if I'm Pfizer or Moderna, for sure, I want to eventually get that approval. But you're, you're selling your product, whether it's emergency use authorized or whether it's fully approved, 
everybody in the world wants it. Um, so there's not as much incentive. And again, they had the data. They're collecting the data. They've, you know, they're going to follow these phase three trial patients for a while. <laughs> they're going to be, you know, monitoring of these patients for, for years probably. And so the data exists and it is there. Uh, again, but the reason that the FDA felt the need to, to shortcut it was because of that word emergency. Um, so it's uh, there's no doubt that these will all be fully approved. Again, this is not going to change anything. There's not going to be any eureka moment where they're going to say, oh, we analyzed more data and we found this is actually, you know, a bigger con than a pro that it's going to have a bigger risk than actually the risk of getting COVID. That's just not going to happen. So yes, you you might persuade this handful of people who say, oh, well, if once it's fully approved, I will get vaccinated. But I just think that the number of people who actually believe that and that is the reason they're waiting is negligent enough that it doesn't matter. Fair enough. And that is my vaccine rant of the day. Again, I was actually going to, news came out today that Governor DeWine is looking actually to offer some more incentives for people who were vaccinated, including potentially money. And I know that we've talked in previous podcasts about how this country runs on money uh, and other states are looking at that. And so DeWine said he would consider it. Uh, but let's let's table that for another time. Uh, because we really are, we are, we are not fully there to it just being a pure demand problem, but we are rapidly approaching the fact where there's plenty of supply. It's just, you know, getting people, whether they're unmotivated or just on the fence or truly, you know, strongly against getting vaccinated. It's now we're going to be getting to the point where we need to work to convince those people to get vaccinated if we're ever going to hit herd immunity. Hey, I'll take some cash. I think Maryland's offering you a free beer if you're over 21 and have a vaccine. I'll take a free beer to one, whatever you want to throw my way. Hey, I'll yep. take it. So, you know, you might have those carrots. And again, you might have those sticks where it's, you know, you're going to start being denied entry to places if you're not vaccinated. And that, that's hopefully we don't have to get into that mess too much because that's going to be a, a legal debacle for sure. South Carolina, uh, switching gears to something much more morbid, uh, added the firing squad as an acceptable execution method uh, because of their state's lack of lethal injection drugs. Uh, I don't think anything more needs to be said, but uh, certain areas of the country uh, were going backwards. Yeah, I mean, I think my feelings on the death penalty, (laughs) I feel like I went off I don't know, at least once, but I mean, there's a really easy solution to this and it's get rid of the death penalty because it's a fucking joke that we still have the death penalty in America. I mean, they're not, there's no lethal injection drugs because companies don't want to make them because it's morally horrific. We're still killing innocent people in this country. The death penalty still doesn't work. I mean, it's not an effective deterrent. So all it does is make you feel good about like Old Testament justice pretend like it is but it's not an effective deterrent it's we're actually we're i mean it's it's a provable fact that we're executing innocent people and we're executing innocent people for i mean an intervention that doesn't even work so i mean it's south carolina could probably just stop executing people but i mean you know systemic racism still exists in our country in our justice system and there's still a lot of really racist people that want to kill black people so 
they'll keep doing it. That's bullshit. I mean, the death penalty is bullshit. Doing it by firing squad is big time bullshit. But we said we're not going on rants, so I'm done. All I'm going to say is they should make the firing squad thing be like you have to apply for it. And then you put all those people on a watch list because who in the world wants to have that on their conscience? I mean, I know you get the whole, oh, you don't know which bullet was the one that did it. Like ridiculousness. But uh, I I just, I I thought it was an onion headline. Like I didn't think it was real. So I think in South Carolina, if you offer people the opportunity to be on a firing squad, you'd have a wait list. (laughs) Oh, Oh. All right, we're not going to rant. We're going to move on. Yep. Um, last little random news topic. I have no idea. Like, this story stuck with me in some weird way, and I don't know why. Uh, but after 27 years of marriage, Bill and Melinda Gates announced that they would be getting divorced and, and, and moving on from each other. And I don't know. Like, I, obviously, I don't know that, you know, Bill or Melinda in any way or whatsoever, but uh, between him and Bezos, like, you have people who have literally all of the money in the world. Uh, that's not an exaggeration in any way whatsoever. So I guess this just means that really money can't buy happiness, but uh, I don't know. I just, uh, you know, if Bill and Melinda can't do it, Andy. How, how do we have any hope? Well, I mean, I'm guessing she got tired of just hearing his voice coming through the microchip after she got her vaccine. <laughs> so she was just like, this is just too much. I can't deal with you 24 seven, Bill. You got to go. Um, have you, like, have you participated at all in any way in the, in the Jeffrey Epstein conspiracy or non-conspiracy drama? No. Yeah, I haven't either. Um, but I have heard a decent amount of rumblings from both legitimate and illegitimate, uh, you know, news sources that, uh, this might be coming in advance of, uh, the fact that Bill, uh, apparently spent an awful lot of time with Epstein over the years and uh and and who knows what's going to come out so uh that's wild reckless speculation on my part but man i don't know it's just weird like you know so all the money in the world they've had this foundation for forever they've done many you know so much great philanthropy and you know getting uh you know vaccines to the to developing parts of the world uh and i don't know 27 years man it's a long time to just be like sayonara yeah that that was surprising i would think after that long they would have just stuck it out but eh, best of luck to both of them yeah all right andy uh anything else before we wind down the show and move on to our last list no i don't think so it it was nice to uh to take a little diversion from politics and and just you know snap it around with some sports for sure, for sure. All right, let's move on to number two. It's our list of the week. It's the list of the week. All right, Andy. <clears throat> Top five outdoor summer activities in Toledo, Ohio. Uh, it is it is sweet, sweet summertime. And uh, it's time to venture out of the house uh, with the family and and do some fun stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think Toledo is a, a solid place to be in the summer. We had a little preview. Of, we had like fake summer for a couple of days there at the end of April. So, I mean, we, we've had some nice weather. It was nice to uh, to feel that heat a little bit and get excited about the things that are coming for summertime in the 419. 
All right, I'm going to ask you an unexpected question. Okay. What is what is the dumbest thing that you and your wife argue about? And before you answer, I will give you mine to, to give you a sense of what I'm talking about. April and I argue about the lawn probably more than any other thing. It is, it is so dumb, largely on my part. You know, definitely can be stubborn and irrational about it. Uh, but man, the fact that like mowing season is now like April to October is fucking bullshit. And I just, I screw global warming. I'm mowing my lawn most months of the year and I don't like it. Yeah. I, I remember you kind of throwing that one out to the group text and you, you, you got a bit of ratioed on that where you were trying, I think, look, looking for a little bit of support that you shouldn't have to mow in April. And you got a bit dummy on that one. Yeah, I got crushed. <laughs> um, and so I definitely sat on that for a couple of days before I told my wife, I was like, yeah, you know, we were talking. I was just like, yeah, no, by the way, uh, you know, the guys agree with you and blah, blah. blah. Okay, moving on. Uh, you know, so. Yeah, if, if you look to, to the group text for decision support on something and you don't get it, I don't think you have to disclose that. I mean, this isn't <laughs> this isn't court. You don't I mean, you don't have to follow Brady. I mean, if you get exculpatory uh, information, you don't have to share that with the defense. <laughs> well, it had been after after I'd finally given in and mowed the lot, so the seal had been broken at that point. Okay, uh, but uh, but yeah, I I played it nicely. I was like, oh, the two weeks ago, I uh, was like, oh, well, I'm gonna be sick with Moderna side effects on Saturday, and then our roof was getting done on Sunday, and I I was perfectly fine after Moderna number two. Uh, but somehow wiggled out of it that Saturday and then the roof uh, obviously Sunday. So that was out. But last weekend I finally uh, broke the seal. Uh, the yard looks much better than it did before. And now I'll be uh, occupied with that every weekend until October at this rate. Yeah. It sounds like you got something planned for tomorrow. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> that work juggling like, you know, four different mother's days. It's uh. It's definitely going to be a weekend. All right. So anyways, that was the tangent. Back to the list. Andy, hit us up with your number five. Well, you started that off with a question asking the dumbest thing oh, we I argued did. about. And then you took us on a diversion. So yes, I, 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 was... do, I, I do just want to make sure I, uh, I come back to that. And it is stupid, but I leave the cabinet doors open. <laughs> like I'll, I'll get a plate out and just leave the door open. And I mean, there have been like knockdown drag outs over close the goddamn cabinet doors and i mean i know i'm wrong like there's no reason to leave the doors open i'm the only one that's tall enough to hit my head on them so i'm really <laughs> only punishing myself so i mean she's 100 right but i i gotta push back on principle on that so that is the dumbest thing <laughs> okay i'm glad that there's something equally as dumb that uh that uh, you get in trouble for that i do because i didn't want to be all all alone on my island so oh no one one of many things I get in trouble for doing. Uh, I don't have a problem with the cabinet doors, but my dresser drawers, uh, those uh, those don't get shut all the way, and you know you have a, a corner of a sock sticking out, and it's it's the end of the world. So, hey, it's my dresser, it's my stuff. That's the <laughs> argument I try and make, and it's it's a failed argument, but I try and make it. Yep, for sure. List proper number five. Hit us up. Number five, this isn't even specific to the city of Toledo, but man, there is nothing that beats getting out there and just grilling meat and having a beer outside. So I'm going to put grilling as number five on my list of outdoor summer activities. 
Okay, we're going to continue the domestic uh, argument section of this podcast because (laughs) I have a grill on my list of birthday gifts uh, coming up. My birthday is in the summer, and uh, my wife flat out said, absolutely not. You trashed your first one. You never use it. Why why in God's earth do I think that you're going to actually put the time in and do it? And Andy, there's just things, you know, God doesn't give with both hands is what I like to say. And for me, I got the book smarts, but just, you know, the the grill, the handiwork, it just escapes me. So uh, I'm glad that you're around the grill. I will happily eat, but I will not be doing a whole lot of it myself. Fair enough. But for sure, definitely um, hot dogs, hamburgers, chicken, whatever, steak do it up all right number five for me my list is going to be all over the place the thing that we do the most uh outside in the summer not in toledo is we go up to uh the cottage uh so about an hour and 15 minutes or so up in hillsdale michigan uh my wife's family has a cottage right on a beach the kids love to go swim there's a there's a you know, golf cart we can drive around in. It's a great, you know, the the drive makes it so we're far enough away that's actually like a little bit of a getaway. We unplug a little bit, uh, you know, just kind of spend some time outside in the water. All the kids love the water. So just being able to go uh, and, and swim, swim anywhere. I love, I love a pool. I'm much more of a pool person than a than a body of water person uh but it's nice just to sit and soak and and relax so number five for me solid answer not nothing beats having especially that spot that's your own where you can be a little bit comfortable go to the same spot every time like you said that that hour drive has got to be just enough that it feels like it's an event yep yep definitely great answer okay number four for you Number four, I have golfing. So the city of Toledo, I, I mean, I'm not going to say the city of Toledo itself, but we'll say the metro area. There are a lot of good golf courses in this area. So, um, I mean, we're, we, we're fortunate to be able to go just across the line into Michigan and play some golf. I know the last time, actually, the last time I played was with you when we played at, at Bedford. So it's been a couple of years, so I really need to get out. But uh we got, we got some solid courses in the area. Ottawa Park is a fun spot. So that's one of the oldest golf courses west of the Mississippi River. I think it's like the first or second oldest golf course west of the Mississippi. So it's, it's real old. I think it, it goes back to the late 1800s. So it's a fun little track right in the middle of the city. And then if you're willing to drive, you know, even just 20 minutes outside the city, there's just a ton of great golf in this area. So it, it's a great place to hit the ball. Yeah, I, again, I, I hit a five iron like a nine iron and a nine iron like a five iron. Uh, I, f- I feel like if I had a set of clubs that was, you know, for a person uh, uh, that is six four, uh, it might go a long way to making me feel a little bit more comfortable. Uh, I have been insanely frustrated most times I go golfing, but usually there's still that I hit one or two shots that's like, it's completely a fluke but it looks really good and it goes where it's supposed to go. And, uh, uh, and it, it redeems the whole sport for me. So, uh, like you said, that's what we did for your bachelor party. Uh, guys went out and we, we played some golf and, uh, definitely a good time. 
Hey, I saw you chip in one time. It was probably more than 10 years ago now, but I say you, you hit a nice little shot just off the green and pop chipped it in. And those are the shots that keep you coming back. That was like a top 10 moment in my life. That was amazing. That, dude, that was awesome. And I'm glad I was there. For that. And I could never, a hundred swings, I would not be able to duplicate it. But that's the beauty of golf. You don't have to do it. You know, I mean, <laughs> you take hundreds of swings every, every, uh, every time you go out. So a couple of them were bound to be good. And, and that was an absolute beauty. Yeah, for sure. Uh, all right. Number four for me, again, I'm straying outside Salido a little bit. Uh, but in Sandusky, you know, the country's best roller coaster amusement park, uh, going up to Cedar Point, riding some roller coasters, number four. Good answer. Good answer. Um, I, it took me a while. I was probably like a young teenager before I like sacked up and really did the big roller coasters or whatnot. Um, uh, and even, even, even now, I will stand at the base of the top thrill dragster and look up 400 feet and be like, eh. you know, um, but I, I still ride it. And uh, just so many good roller coasters. It's such a good way to spend a, a summer day. There was that one summer in high school where we got season passes and we went up there a bunch of times just to really, you know, people come from all over the country, all over the world to ride those roller coasters. So uh, what can I say? It's pretty amazing. Yeah, that was a great summer. I, re- I remember we went out there a couple of times. I think you just rode a couple of rides and came back. So, I mean, you can't, as far as value to a, a teenage kid, I don't think we could have beat the value we were getting out of the time we were spending at Cedar Point. Uh, we were talking about doing a, a top five list of roller coasters. And, and I think that's when I realized that I haven't been to Cedar Point in probably 10 years. So maybe it's time to go back. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had gone maybe, I don't know, three years ago, maybe some something like that. Um, uh, me and Zach and, and our wives and uh, and had a pretty good time. Um, I'm definitely going to need to uh, to slim down a little bit because uh, some of those some of those roller coasters, it was getting a little tight. But uh, yeah, it's it's a great, great, great way to spend a day. So. All right. Number three for you. Number three on my list, I have hidden one of the many delicious food trucks we have in the city of Toledo. So I live within walking distance of Ernest Brew Works on Burn, which is fantastic beer in the city of Toledo. They give back to the community, but more importantly, it's just really good beer. And they have a food truck there just about every day. So kind of get, getting out of the neighborhood I live in, I drive past Ernest just about every day. And there's always a couple of food trucks there. And man, we have some good food trucks in this city. Yeah. Oh, I love me a food truck, you know, especially, you know, it's oftentimes it gives you a chance to get some variety, something that you don't normally would eat in your normal everyday palate. And uh, yeah, man, just uh, give me some of that, you know, whatever your specialty is to, you know, usually most of these places have a thing that they're known for. And it's like, yep, uh, let me try this, you know, perch sandwich or whatever. Um, and uh, it's usually delicious. So, oh man, we are spoiled with the uh, the fish options that we have in this city. Between off the rails and uh, Rusty's road trip, we have some good perch trucks. Yeah, Rusty's road trip is just hits the spot every time. If you have a chance to hit Padrino Tacos, they have some amazing street tacos. That's been one that we've been kind of on lately. So they're they're at Ernest uh, most Sundays. 
So if you, if you want some good tacos, hit up Padrino Tacos. All right. For sure. Uh, where are we at? Number three for me? Number three. Um, it's, you know, every Toledo person is, is going to say it. And, uh, the sport is not my first love, but, uh, the Toledo mud hens are our triple a baseball team feeder for the Detroit tigers. And, uh, the stadium is just, it's nice. It's really nice. I don't love baseball. I would say maybe like four or five innings is kind of where I've gotten my fill, but it's nice to just go sit outside in the sun you know, have a, a pop or a tall beer and, uh, you know, the kids, you know, like, like seeing what's going on in the field and, you know, go up and get some ice cream, uh, you know, just a beautiful way to spend a, a summer evening, uh, even if it's baseball. Yeah. Solid answer. I, I, I think keeping with the theme of, uh, I think I, the last time I did this, I did it with you. I think the last time I went to a baseball game was with you and yeah, I think we made it yeah, probably four or five innings. And, and that, that was enough for the baseball, but it was enough time to, to sit outside in the sun. And I think we had, you know, a beer and, and had a nice time. So yeah, can't, can't beat going to a mud hens game. It's classic Toledo. Nine innings is just too long. Baseball fans. I'm sorry. Just too long. If they could cut baseball to two and a half to three hours, I'd be there for it. I think. But really every, like that's, I mean, that's the beauty of soccer, right? Going back to it. Yes. Hundred percent. You, know, you know what you're getting into, and you're in and out in two hours. Yeah, I mean that is just it's so undervalued. Uh, whereas baseball is just you know this completely like you know Yankees Red Sox on a Sunday night. I mean that might be a four hour game. It's just unbelievable. And they're gonna play 161 more of them in a season. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. All right, number two for you. I mean, number two is a Toledo Classic. It's the Zoo. I mean, we, I know we did zoo animals. I think the last time that we went out, you know, in, in honor of Louie. So we, we talked a bit about the zoo, but I mean, the Toledo zoo is again, it's if, if you wanted to have the Toledo experience, it's the art museum, it's the zoo and it's the mud huns. So gotta have the zoo. Yeah. Number one on my list, um, you know, for all the reasons we already enumerated in uh, a previous episode, it's just uh, iconic and uh if you if you go a summer here without going to the zoo uh you you have failed you have missed out so definitely easy number one for me we punch well above our weight class as far as zoos go i mean a city the size of toledo has no business having the zoo as awesome as the toledo zoo and i'm i'm glad for it yep absolutely number two for me is just uh we have quite a park system here in toledo uh, you know, whether it's, uh, you know, Wildwood or Olander, um, you know, just places, you know, you can, you can walk around, get some of that outside. A lot of these places have bodies of water. A lot of them have some beautiful, uh, foliage, uh, you know, it's just a place to, you know, get out while the kids run around, you know, it winters have, uh, are, are pretty hard for our family, just in the sense that the kids love being outside. Uh, my middle son, you know, is loves to be out on the trampoline. Uh, and it's just so much easier to do those things when the weather is halfway decent versus those horrible winter months. So uh, uh, we have the our best family pictures uh, were taken at Wildwood. Um, no, actually, we're taken at Olander. Um, one, anyway, one of the parks here in Toledo, 
my wife uh, has a photographer person comes out and we spend an arm and a leg, but uh, we get some beautiful family pictures. Uh, it's so hard to get all three kids looking in, in the camera's direction and, and having smiles. And, uh, uh, and we've accomplished that at park. So number two on my list. Yeah. I think we just flipped our two and one. So I, I have the parks at number one on my list. Yep. So which ones uh, is your family frequent the most? Yeah. So I think side cut is, uh, is going to be the number one out there for me. So I like okay. them down by the river. You got kind of the uplands where you got the traditional kind of trail areas. You got the well, right there down by the river where you can take a nice walk or run by the river. They even have uh, where they kind of cut through a field and they connect to the fallen timbers area. So, you know, I mean, as a runner, you got, I, I mean, I could go there and do a different probably five mile run and have four or five different runs just, just from going through there. Plus they got a sick playground for the kids. They got that big mushroom thing that nobody really knows how it works that you're supposed to swing on. I mean, I got married at a park. We got married at Oak opening. So I mean, yep. we're, we're such park fans. Our, our rings are even, you know, mimic trees to kind of, to get our, our love of, of the parks and, you know, just a nod to Oak openings that we got married there. So, I mean, I'm a huge parks guy. Side cuts my favorite. I mean, Wildwood's a classic. We've been going to Swan Creek a little bit lately doing the, the shaky suspension bridge over the creek. So, I mean, you can't go wrong with the parks in Toledo. Again, if you want to talk about something that we punch above our weight at, our park system here is incredible. And they're they're always innovating more. Um, we went to the, the Glass City Metro Park right there downtown, kind of where the old sports arena was. And, mm-hmm. and they're building that area up. They're talking about really expanding that even further east so i mean the parks not only are they great they continue to innovate and do even more interesting things so we are so lucky to have the parks that we have here absolutely so two things uh uh two responses based off what you just said one your wedding reminds me just the fact that i just miss weddings in general uh and really we're getting to the point i mean i don't know about you but like i feel like my wedding season is almost done. Uh, I have my youngest sister is not yet married and uh, there could be a, a, you know, a wedding at some point in her future, the none too distant future. But otherwise, man, we're largely through, you know, our friend circle and a lot of my family and, and weddings for whatever reason have ended up just being that one place where it's like, okay, I'm going to go and I'm going to have, you know, four to 10 drinks and, and have some fun on the dance floor. And uh, that's definitely one of those things that COVID has has taken away. So uh, I'm looking forward very much to whatever my next wedding ends up being. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think I was kind of the last, I mean, at this point, I think we might have to wait for people to have second weddings because I think I was about the last of us. Yep. Um, yeah, it just popped up in my timeline when we went to... Uh, went down to florida for our buddy stan's wedding and uh we double we double dipped as kind of like an anniversary trip for april and i because it was right around our anniversary and uh and stayed down there for a couple days and went to universal with with zach and becca and 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 yeah so it's a love love me some weddings and love me wedding crashers the second thing that i wanted (laughs) to say uh was just the sentence if you would have told me in college that you would utter in a non-ironic way, you know, someone, you know, as a runner, uh, just would have blew me away, would not have been able to comprehend that that was a real thing you were going to say. Oh, yeah, I wouldn't have bought that either. I'd have been like, where, who, who is this guy and what has he done with me? 
Yeah, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to make that a topic of an episode because you, my friend, have like, you know, you've like cut yourself in two and just like, you know, buried buried uh, half of your body weight somewhere in the in the depths of the world uh, since since going to college. You have uh, you have completely uh, transformed, and now you're a fucking runner. Like, what is this shit? Yeah, I know. It's I, I I'm not even sure I like it, but. Uh... But shit, here I am. I wake up if it's been three or four days, I, I get the itch and I'm like, I gotta get out. I mean, it's it's not even a, a park, but we're lucky enough to just have a trail that's maintained by the Metro Parks. This literally, I mean, it's it's a half mile run to get to the trail and then it's a three mile trail from our house. So, I mean, I, I, I think that trail probably contributed just quite a bit to it of just, I mean, it's, it's so beautiful and so well maintained and it's just a nice little jog through the neighborhood without having to worry about traffic that, I mean... Once again, let's credit the Metro Parks. I, I probably wouldn't run nearly as much as I do if if I didn't have that in the backyard. So you'll have to uh, you'll have to explain the the method to the madness at some point in the future because uh, that's something I I'm in the market for uh, if cutting myself in half and uh, burying it in the backyard. So it's eighty uh, percent diet. I know, but and I probably could use the uh, the twenty percent exercise part of it too. So. <laughs> um, all right dude well uh summer is here uh you know and uh i'm looking forward to the weather not looking forward to mowing the lawn you know but usually you know it's it's especially easy on a you know summer friday to start you know you finish up lunch and you're looking at your to-do list and it's like yeah maybe we just skate out a little early because the weather's nice and let's start the weekend a little early so i'm looking forward to it yeah, it, it should be a, a nice summer. I mean, the the weather should be great. We're getting, moving back a little bit towards, you know, a normal life. So should be a good one. All right, Andy. Well, I think that's going to bring us to the end of the episode. Uh, this has been another episode of Buckeye Dads Discuss. And we'll talk to you guys later. Stay safe, Ohio. And get vaccinated. 100%. Buckeye Dads Discuss is a podcast hosted by Andy and Josh. It's edited by April. You can find us on social media at Buckeye Dads on Twitter. And you can email the show at Buckeye Dads Discuss at gmail.com.